What's going on, podcast listeners? It's Friday, and yesterday I told you I would be back today, and here I am with the newest Restaurant Report podcast episode. And today's episode is talking about tipping versus non-tipping. And I... Over the last 24 hours, I've ignited a few different conversations, uh, and by ignited, I do mean that these conversations, uh, they blew up. Um, People were very adamant, very against, uh, very argumentative about me even bringing up the conversation, Um, and these are, you know, this is just a, a, a group of restaurant owners on, on social media that I've connected with, probably about 300 of them, and, and uh, man, the fire was flying, and it really got me thinking about uh, what everyone else thought. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to know what everyone thinks. Um, I've done uh, some research, uh, some projections, and, you know, basically trying to understand it from the standpoint of... Um, everybody looking at it from the server standpoint, looking at it from the cook standpoint, looking at it from a management standpoint, uh, and then of course looking at it from the owner standpoint and the bottom line. So, after doing some research on existing restaurants that are uh, non-tipping, I discovered a uh, a platform that was very interesting, and it comes out of uh, one of the biggest names in the industry especially someone who is um, pushing the limits. Uh, He's been in in the forefront for a long time. Danny Meyer, um, you probably know of him. If you don't, uh, that's okay. I would recommend, um, you know, looking him up, seeing who he is. He wrote an amazing book called Setting the Table, and he has a couple different interviews uh, where he discusses non-tipping, so on and so forth. However... So here is, here's where I came down to wanting to pay attention. Obviously, we all know costs, expenses, all of it is going up. Um, I think there's seven states now that don't even have a tipped minimum wage. Um, if you're not familiar with the tipped minimum wage, uh, basically, there is a minimum wage that you have to pay people um, if they are getting tipped. Um, federal tipped minimum wage, I think it's still in the $2 range. Uh, Michigan's just went up to $3.53, and that is what we are required to pay anyone who is tipped per hour. The caveat being, if they do not make enough tips, aka claim enough tips, to bring them up to whatever the state um, minimum wage is, then they, uh, the employer has to supplement the difference. Um, most restaurants now are uh, very heavy on the credit card side. Those tips are automatically claimed in a lot of point of sale systems. So you're no longer relying on servers. So that's almost a (sighs) non-issue. The issue for me, and this was really interesting after doing my research, was the pay discrepancy between the front of the house and the back of the house and uh, accomplishing, taking tipping away to accomplish giving back-of-the-house employees a raise, giving them more money. And at first, I thought, well, 
of course, you know, you're going to lose front of the house staff one way or another. So what I did and, and furthering in my research, what I discovered was um, what the uh, what Danny and his team were doing were essentially uh, they were not. And this was my misconception. Um, they were not bringing all of their employees to the full minimum wage. Um, they were not raising their, uh, front of the house employees were not getting paid up to minimum wage. They were still getting paid less than minimum wage. Um, and this is where it gets super interesting to me. Instead of paying them the full minimum wage, which I'm not 100% sure what it is in New York, but I know that it is significantly more than the 750 that was the tipped minimum wage. So what they did is instead of having tipping, they took it out, they raised their prices by 20%, roughly 20%, and they implemented that the staff gets 12 the front of the house staff gets 12 and a half percent of total sales. Um, so they, oh, and they gave them a $2 raise. I didn't, I didn't cover that part. So from the 750, which was the tipped minimum wage, which is still the tipped minimum wage, they gave everybody a raise to 950. So they gave a $2 minimum raise, uh, $2 raise and 12% of total revenue. So a few things happen. Um, obviously well, you raised prices by 20% and you're only giving 12% back. Well, you're also guaranteeing an extra $2 an hour. You're, uh, taking the amount of tips that they will make and it will be less. Uh, so <laughs> essentially that's going to eat away less of the taxes that the employees have to pay. It's going to be more consistent. And um, then you have 8% to uh, basically pay um, your back of the house. You can move that 8% to the back of the house. So where this got interesting, what I wanted to do, because I think of restaurants like Danny Myers and I think of restaurants in New York, uh, you know, they, they price out at a premium. Um, you know, their plates are expensive. You're already paying $35 for a chicken dish. Uh, and in Michigan, you'd get laughed out of the room in 90, probably 95% of restaurants. Um, if you were charging 35 to $40 for a chicken entree. But my point is this, what I decided to do was I went to my favorite, uh, Excel spreadsheet and I decided to figure out what the cost would be for a restaurant doing 1.6 million dollars a year if they decided to make this decision and they decided to get rid of tipping follow this model almost exactly uh, I changed it from 12 and a half to 12 percent so it was an even eight percent uh, you know allocated in other places so I said what if I stood up and said I want to create a restaurant and I want to give everybody a $2 raise. So front of the house, uh, hosts, you get $2 servers, you get $2 bartenders, you get $2. And I was accounting for the fact that server minimum wage was three fifty, 
3.52 to be exact, I was accounting for the fact that uh, bartenders typically make a little bit more. So at this point, at the beginning, I set a $5 baseline for bartenders and then hosts uh, $7.50 baseline. So all of those people got $2 raises. Yippee for them. They get $2 as a raise, a little more stability, so on and so forth. Now you're a host making $9.50. That sounds a lot more appealing um, as a guaranteed wage, so on. Anyway, and I decided to do the same thing in the back of the house. Uh, let's say, you know, your average was um, $11 an hour. Maybe it's 10 I wrote it in at 11 Therefore, the new average back of the house wage, and of course, this doesn't include salary managers or anything like that. The new back of the house hourly wage is $2 higher. $13 is the average. And... What I came up with, now the point is this, right? So you're going to be spending more in labor. There is no doubt about it. Um, there ended up being a, a, a big difference in labor costs by the end of it because you're giving everyone a raise, of course. But the factor in is, the point is to keep your back-of-the-house employees longer so that you don't have to retrain them. You don't have to be constantly turning over kitchen employees. And I don't know what the national statistics are, but I know it's very easily common for a kitchen uh, to have a hundred percent turnover. So what I did was calculated the cost per training of a restaurant that had 100% turnover in their kitchen. And what I came up with was very interesting. At the end of the year, the entire year, the cost, the extra expense after you take out, after you add everything together, you add the increased cost, you add the increased um, uh, uh, menu, uh, you, menu prices, you um, subtract cutting your labor in half. I didn't mention that part. So you take your turnover from 100% and you cut it in half because now your people aren't leaving your restaurant for a quarter. They're not leaving your restaurant to go chase an extra 50 cents. Um, da -da 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 -da, all the way down the line. The idea is this basically comes out flat. The expense turned into be $3,000 added expense for the entire year. The entire year. And when you increase sales, that expense changes. It gets lower and lower and lower. Uh, so I was very interested to see this in a restaurant that did $1.65 million in sales and apply this to it. So what are some of the upsides? What are some of the downsides? I want to hear it from you, but I also want to share my thoughts. So obviously, one major upside was leveling the playing field getting people in the kitchen a little more money so they don't leave. Actually, a significant amount more money so they don't leave. Balancing it out. Oh, I didn't even talk about the server wage. So, what I did was calculated the number, because because I told you, I want to think about this from the server's perspective. What I did was I calculated how much that average server would make, what their sales would be for 30 hours a week, what their tips at 19%, not 20%, 
but 19% would be. And I compared it to their new hourly wage with the 12% that we decided to give them um, of the menu sales. And guess what? It came out even. It came out even for the servers at 19%. It came out even. So let's talk about the pros and cons, and let's talk about it from the perspective of everybody, okay? Uh, if, if you're enjoying this, thank you. If you're not, eh, this is going to go on for another eight minutes or so um, to discuss this part of it. If you're not enjoying it, and you're mad at me, and you think that no, not tipping is not even a conversation that we should have, tell me. Go, let, go find me on Twitter, mthorpexxi. Uh, let's have a debate. Let's have a conversation about it. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm not, I am not 100% on either side. I'm just trying to look at things from a different perspective and look at the future. Uh, so yeah, so just to be clear, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to do this in your restaurant. I wanted to look at this from a restaurant that was not your high-end restaurant in New York City that has a, you know, a ton of sales. They can charge whatever they want, basically, uh, for a bottle of wine or a piece of chicken. Um, I wanted to look at this from a $1.65 million, uh, you know, in revenue per year restaurant. Okay. Pros and cons. Um, let's look at it from the server's perspective, because I feel like when you're going to hire staff, you have to explain this and share it with them, uh, 100%. So downside, you don't get to take cash home every day. How many times have you, I know I've been there as a server, you pick up that extra shift because you've got rent due in three days. Plain and simple. Make the cash, take it home, ready to rock and roll. You got your rent in two days. You don't have to wait. You don't have to budget for a, a paycheck that's every week or every two weeks. You just don't. It makes a huge difference. Uh, instant cash. Now, what I think while that may seem to be a con, and it might be educating your staff um, on how to do it, what I think you should, like your social responsibility as that restaurant owner, maybe to teach how to budget, maybe to show your staff, uh, give them classes, teach them how to budget for a two week pay cycle, even if it's a one week pay cycle. Here are life lessons for you to now take and make maybe even be even better we all know cash burns a hole in so many people's pockets and how many times do your staff talk about going out after their shift and uh, next thing you know they've already spent a hundred dollars because they made 150 on the shift <laughs> i mean it happens we know that it does but maybe just maybe that might in, in uh, uh improve how they manage their money. And it could be, they could be better off for it in the long run. But I think that you do have the responsibility as the uh, owner to teach them that, to show them that. So that's a con with a potential upside at the end of the day. Okay, now this is a, this is a big pro that I did not see coming. The... 12% is divided across how many hours you work. So if there's clean numbers, if there's uh, 200 hours, I know it's such a low number, but 200 hours worked and that person only worked, you know, they worked 
20 of those 200 hours, they would get 10% of whatever that 12% pool is. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. It doesn't matter what day of the week you work. Because essentially, that 12% is a pool that everybody pulls from, pulls from, and it's for the entire week. So the benefit is this. How many times as owners and managers have you recognized that people's availabilities change on the slower days? You have, your, you have people who are not necessarily willing to work working on those days because they don't want to work on a day where they're making less money. Or people's moods and attitudes change on those days because they're making less money. So think about that for a minute. Think about taking that equation out. And what's the reward for your best people? It's Friday and Saturday nights. It's the big money, quote unquote, big money shifts. So think about this. They work really hard to be the best at what they do. And then they turn around and all of a sudden they're rewarded with the fact that you have no personal life. It is a system. It is a way of, uh, perhaps balancing out that personal life, balancing out your staff. Now, a potential downside is you as a manager and the management side, you have to, you know, now you're going to have people who only want to work Mondays and Tuesdays because it's easier, da, da 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 But you also have to understand that those shifts are going to be shorter, so they will be working less hours in those days. So think about that for a minute. Very interesting theory of now balancing out your schedule with valuable top-tier staff every day of the week. Instead of just on Fridays and Saturdays, leaving everyone else to scratch and claw for their bills through, you know, Sunday through Wednesday or even Thursday. Just something to think about. We already know what the obvious upside is in the back of the house. They're going to make more money. That's sort of the purpose behind all of this. Um, you're cutting down your uh, training cost. Eventually, you're cutting down your... Um, you know, food costs as well, because when you're training, and I didn't even account for this, when you're training, you typically have more waste because of the, the new employees and, you know, they've got to, you know, go through the fire and all that. And, um, you know, so that's not even included in that. So maybe, just maybe that $3,000, uh, you know, expense that the owners um, incur, maybe, just maybe, that is balanced out by cutting that training in half and having less waste due to that. Just a thought. Just throwing that in there as a sidebar, not something I did any research in any way, shape, or form on. Um, other potential upsides uh, or downsides for servers. Now, this is sort of a, um, you know, a, a management strategy. If you overstaff your restaurant, your people will get less of a cut. It's plain and simple. If you don't cut appropriately, people will get less of a cut plain and simple. But the reason why I don't necessarily think that this is that much of an issue as far as management is concerned is because you're now paying these people more as well. So what happens is, and this is one of those cons, perhaps maybe a pro, is if you overstaff your restaurant and you put on extra servers, um, either because of talent level or whatever it is, their cut's going to be smaller anyway. It's the same it's the exact same way. You take away a table from a section to add an extra server on, and their cut's going to be smaller anyway. 
So at a certain degree, you're already managing this potential problem. It's just in a different way. Another thing that came up that I have not researched yet, um, it's something that I thought about, was the dreaded side work. Because essentially now you can milk the clock. You can take longer to do your side work. You can, you know, whatever it is, however you want to say it, um, to get that bigger chunk, get that bigger piece of the pie, um, you know, shaving minutes off. It's a potential that you may have to manage. There's no way around it. I'll do my research, see what I come up with. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you have a server who's on making 265, they're only taking the tips home, um, that they, you know, that they earn, uh, then, you know, if they milk the clock a little while, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to matter so much, but that's also something, you know, to think about if they're making X amount more, um, then they also, you know, you're going to want to manage that a little bit more. You're going to want to manage that a little bit closer. Um, but that is a potential, that is a, a potential issue of so, you know, your staff saying so-and-so is milking their clock, trying to take a bigger piece of the pie. Um, you know, what, however you want to look at it. Another thing, how are people going to be motivated to give great service? You have to manage that. You have to work with the willing. I've said that in previous episodes. This now takes out that level of giving great hospitality for the sake of the tip. It's giving great hospitality for the sake of hospitality. Imagine that. You give great service. And you are incredibly hospitable because you genuinely care. If that scares you, then maybe you should be a little more concerned with the staff that you have right now. It makes you reflect a little bit further. It makes you think about something a little bit deeper. And while um, that may be something that, you know, maybe you would just say, hey, that's, you know, people are, people are going to behave a certain way if they, don't, if they don't depend on tips. Well, keep looking. Keep looking for the people that will buy into that. Keep looking to the people who will behave as hospitable as possible, no matter what the reward is coming back to them. And then what else you can do? You're free to give raises. If you want to put a, an all-star server at $6 an hour, you put that all-star server at $6 an hour. It doesn't change the fact that you can give them raises based on merits. It doesn't change the fact that you can still give them more shifts. Therefore, more hours. Therefore, making taking a bigger piece of that 12% revenue sharing. Another issue that I thought was addressed very beautifully was the upsell. Where is the motivation for the upsell? You get an increase. You sell a $100 bottle of wine versus a $50 bottle of wine. Your 20% of that is going to be a big amount. Well, guess what? You get a cut of that anyway. You're going to get a cut of that at the end of the day. If you're increasing sales through upsales, you're, you get a cut of that. Now, what I think is interesting is the potential of other servers and, and experienced servers celebrating and teaching younger, newer staff on how to upsell because it's in it for everybody. 
instead of somebody going and saying, I just sold a bottle of whatever for $200 and everyone is looking at them like, I don't care because it doesn't benefit me any. And then there's bitterness and bitterness breeds dissension. So on and so forth. Now everybody celebrates. The entire team celebrates. And everyone wants to deliver that for their teammates. And the camaraderie. It all grows. And I think big picture, people will celebrate each other more. And they will teach each other more. And they will want to help them uh, to become great salespeople for the sake of the guest. It's a theory. But I think that it's, it's very tangible. Now, the last one, the last thing that I want to talk about is educating your guests and your community. It's something that people are used to. People are used to tipping. That's the way it is. And you have to educate them on it. Educate them on the purpose. Educate them on the why. Educate them on the how. Plain and simple. Prices will go up. That's, that is not, I don't think that that is a debate. They would have to. But over time, prices are going to go up anyway. Minimum wage is going to go up. This is essentially getting ahead of the game. And doing so in a way that can still keep you competitive. I think if you can educate it in a way that says we are no tipping... Therefore, what you pay is what you pay. The price on the menu reflects the actual price that you'll be paying instead of looking at a menu and not even thinking about the tip. Because a lot of people do. They don't think about the tip at the beginning. They look at the menu price. So that's going to be the hurdle to get over. But educating about non-tipping. I think in a lot of areas, including West Michigan where I am, there are not a lot of restaurants that do this. So that would be... I mean, essentially, I think it's going to be free press. It's going to gain attention. You make it a known item. You educate your... Uh, I saw one restaurant who literally had a, a welcome pamphlet on the table. And what it did was... Um, uh, explained it. Welcome to the guests. Explained to them that there is no tipping. So on and so forth. Right out of the gate. So maybe they knew about it already. But now they're also educated on it again at the table when they sit down before they look at the menu prices. Just a theory, just a thought. Um, but it, there's a lot of theory involved in this. There's a lot of this should happen if this. There's a lot of investing. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of unknown. Um, and if you look at every single one of my points, it comes down to a lot of unknown. The only hard fact that I have is uh, your menu prices are going to go up. And you may, you know, the math I did, you're going to lose $3,000 a year. So, you know, uh, those are the only hard facts, but there's a lot of uh, potential upsides. There's a lot of, um, you know, potential things that you have to manage. So running the risk and rewards, who knows? Uh, maybe I need to go back and look over the numbers again, because maybe it is bigger than $3,000 of an expense. Maybe there's a way to flip that on its head. Um, I just don't know. And I think that's why I'm interested to hear everyone else's thoughts. Interesting, interested to share what I see as upside um, in going non-tipping while also knowing, hey, this is a risk. And I want to hear all the potential downsides to it. Um, so just a thought. 
and I would welcome any of your thoughts uh, on this topic. Again, you can find me at on Twitter at mthorpexxi, Instagram same mthorpexxi. I'd love to have the conversation on Twitter. Get a lot of people going over there, and then of course um, you're more than welcome to email me or go check me out on my website. You'll find me at Mike at capstonecompanies.net and the website is capstonehospitality.net I look forward to talking to you I look forward to hearing your opinions and remember this is not something I'm telling you that you need to do it's not at all it's not even something that I know if I would want to do it takes information it takes conversation so on and so forth so thank you again for listening I appreciate you this is going to be very interesting to see what kind of feedback I get back on this one